Hi, and welcome to the podcast, Ethics and Etiquette, a thought-provoking discussion about everyday dilemmas. I'm your host, Marna Ashburn, here with wife, mother, and attorney, Kelly Halligan-Zimmerman. Hey, Marna. Hi, Mike. And Mike Derrick, a retired Army officer and combat vet. Hey, good morning, everybody. Good morning to both of you. Our goal here is to offer you insights and perspectives on sticky situations that will help you scrutinize your choices and exercise your own ethical muscles. Today's show topic is, should we sweat the small stuff? If it's petty theft or a white lie, what's the big deal? Shouldn't we just let it go and focus on the really big stuff instead? We're going to talk about that and also examine some of our justifications for small offenses. So let's start with our first ethical dilemma. A woman buys an Izod shirt at an outlet three hours from her house. When she gets it home, she realizes it's the wrong size for her husband. Well, the the outlets are three hours away, so what does she do? She removes the tags, she takes it to the local Macy's, and tells them it was a gift for her husband and it doesn't fit. Can she exchange it there at Macy's? They exchange it for a different size. She never mentions where she bought it. What do you think about that, Kelly? Well, I mean, I, I think our shopper generally wouldn't have luck with this situation. Um, but if she goes into exchange and the store consents, and it's a direct exchange, the same shirt for a different size, um, I think it's fine. Um, she hasn't verbally misrepresented anything. And the clerk or the person working at the store could have asked, you know, did you purchase this here? Um, but instead, they helped her and they did a direct exchange. So I don't see anything unethical here. She went into the store. If she represented, you know, that she bought it, it didn't fit. And, you know, she wants to do a direct exchange. At that point, it's on the store to pay attention and determine, you know, whether it's appropriate to exchange the shirt for, you know, an exact match with the exception of the size. So, and, and in fact, she could have actually hurt herself because it's possible, not likely, but it's possible she could have paid more where she purchased the shirt than what it's on sale for at Macy's, you know, and Macy's has big sales or coupons, et cetera. Okay. So the store consents and it's a direct exchange. No problem. Mike, do you agree? I don't agree. Um, it's not really a big deal, and this is not going to ruin the world. However, I think that, you know, if she doesn't tell the store that she didn't buy it there and she goes in and, and passes it off at something that she bought at Macy's, then just not right. Now, Macy's may not, you know, they may just want her future business, so they may... um they may make the exchange cheerfully and say, hey, you know, please come back again sometime. Um, I'd also throw in here that, you know, our, our brick and mortar stores are under siege right now. You know, on one hand, they're getting clobbered by Amazon. Um, and it's really nice to have a place to go to shop where you have a decent selection. And, you know, maybe I'm just old school, but I like I like trying on shirts and seeing which one works, you know. I'm not getting any more handsome as I age here. So, you know, I got to I got to find something that's going to help me out as best it can. So I like to do that in a brick and mortar store. And uh, so I'm a big fan of brick and mortar stores. And I think when we do these kinds of things, it's it's corrosive. It's corrosive on the whole system. And so 
uh, I don't think she did the right thing. I have to say I agree with Mike. And what bothers me about it is that she did sort of lie. She said it was a gift to her husband and it didn't fit when, in fact, she bought it at an outlet three hours away. Now, it's possible if she had been totally truthful and told the sales clerk I bought it at an outlet, doesn't fit, do you think I could do an exchange here? They might go ahead and do the exchange in the interest of customer loyalty. But she didn't do that. She sort of lied. So that's what bothers me about the the whole scenario. This is one of those cases where I'd say, well, I'm going to, as Dave Ramsey says, I'm going to have to pay the stupid tax on this and just, you know, either let this shirt go or maybe keep it in the car. And next time I'm at this outlet three hours away, see if I can exchange it. But I don't think she did the right thing. Yeah, let me jump in again. So I'm, I'm going to pile on. Sorry, Kelly. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of folks do a lot of things throughout my life. And it is an observation reinforced by, by many, many different uh, examples that when, when people do this kind of stuff, at some point, uh, they lose some respect for themselves. And if you don't respect yourself and you don't feel good about what you do, um, it just, things don't work as well in life. And you begin to think of yourself as one of those people that sort of takes advantage of others. And, and it, it's, it's a slippery slope that I don't think anybody wants to be on. So, um, you know, the purpose of this podcast is we're, you know, we're trying to help folks. The reason they're listening to it in the first place is I'm hoping they're trying to strengthen their ethical mu musculature. Um, they're trying to be better people. They're trying to live a happier life. And so when you do something like this, you, you eat away at that, that satisfaction, that, that image of self, that, that potential happiness. And so, um, I just, I kind of want to throw that in there because I think this speaks to the broader themes of the, of the podcast. Hey guys, let's not look for trouble where there's not trouble. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> really she's going to the store. She's telling him the shirt doesn't fit and she wants to exchange it. And all she's doing is an exact exchange for a larger size. It's not that big of a deal. It's a large, it's a large store Macy's with, you know, well-trained professional customer service assistants. And if they choose and consent to exchange the shirt, it's fine. Well, there is that. Would you have done that, Kelly? I am such a bad shopper. <laughs> and I shop so little that I don't even see this happening to me. Um, I probably wouldn't. I probably would hold on to the shirt and give it to somebody that it would fit as a gift. But again, I don't see anything wrong with this. I, I think we're looking for issues where there are none. Okay. All right, Kelly. All right. I'm not, uh, not going to have a knockdown drag out over this one. But uh, <laughs> we clearly, let, let's agree to disagree. How about that? Sounds good. All right. Let's move on to the second scenario right after this short break. Welcome back to Ethics and Etiquette. We're on our second scenario. An acquaintance has a habit of taking the newspapers off the rack where they are for sale at Starbucks, reading them while he drinks his coffee, and then putting them back on the rack when he's done. Mike, what do you think? I think I know what you're going to say, but... 
Oh, Lorna, you have you have teed me up with two one because you've allowed you are now allowing me to rant on two of my favorite topics, two of my favorite uh, observations on our current society. So I just had my shot at at retail uh, merchandise and brick and mortar stores, which you know I think if we lose them, hey, we've lost something in our society. I would also say the same thing for newspapers. You know, I realize that you know all this content is available online and. You know, more than we've ever thought possible is out there. But there is something I think that is important for human beings when they pick up a piece of paper and they read it. And whether that's in a book or it's in a magazine or it's in a newspaper, I think we're well suited to that. And I would also go so far as to say that as a teacher, I think students or anybody retains more when they read something off of a page as opposed to a screen. So, having said all that, um, this guy um, is taking advantage of both the Starbucks and the newspaper company because he's gaining the benefit of reading the newspaper, but he's not paying for the service. And you know, our newspapers are our newspapers are in a world of hurt right now in this country. Our paper, our, our printed newspapers. Um, and so many, every week you hear about another one going under. And uh, pretty soon, you know, everybody knows about national public radio and your local public radio station. Um, soon we're going to have national public newspapers because, you know, it will be to the point where no one can make it work uh, commercially. And uh, if everybody goes to Starbucks and reads the paper for free and then hangs it back up or folds it back up neatly as if it was never read before, I think that's wrong. Yeah, I have at times bought the newspaper, read it, and then just left it there for the next person. And I asked the people at Starbucks, what do you think about that? And she said, oh, we don't have a problem with that. And I said, but what about people who just take it off the rack and read it and put it back? And she said, yeah, there's, we don't like it, but there's not much we can do. I don't know if some poor, um, you know, independent contractor newspaper delivery person is, is losing out too. There might be another party there, but I think it's wrong. Buy it and read it and then pay it forward. And just, you know, leave it for the next person. What do you think, Kelly? Yes, I agree with both of you. And, and if I look at it from a legal perspective, um, I think it's a crime um, because this person may be, um, and I'm going to use language from a Virginia statute, defrauding the owner of the value of the goods or merchandise. There's a statute in Virginia 18.2-103 that talks about concealing or taking possession of merchandise. Um, and that is without you know paying for it and without the owner's consent. So what you have here is uh, you know this this gentleman at Starbucks just taking the paper you know, sitting down, who knows how long they're taking to read it. What if in the interim, somebody wants to buy it, um, and there aren't any more papers left? Um, and also, who wants to buy a paper that's all beat up, and it's been read? I mean, you, you can definitely tell when you look at the, the stands, if something's been like sort of picked over, and most people don't want to purchase that. Um, the other thing I would say is, my experience nowadays, along the lines of what Mike was talking about, is that 
you know, there aren't a lot of papers for sale. Um, when you go into stores, a lot of times they're just purchasing maybe 10 or 15 papers because people aren't really buying them anymore. They're looking at their, their smartphones or their tablets or their computers. So there aren't that many available. Um, so I, I have seen them sell out because I do like to buy the paper and I prefer to, to read a paper and have something in hand. But I do think, um, certainly under Virginia law, I, I think that it's, uh, I think it would be considered petty larceny, which is a class one misdemeanor. Wow. A misdemeanor, huh? I, for one, love to read the paper at Starbucks or any coffee shop for that matter. And it will be a sad day when there are no papers. So I hope we continue to have them in our society. We will be right back with another scenario from Starbucks. Stay with us. Welcome back to Ethics and Etiquette. This is our third scenario, and this one also happened in a Starbucks. This Starbucks happened to be located in a grocery store at the entrance of the grocery store. I was waiting for my beverage, and I saw a woman come into the Starbucks pushing her cart full of filled grocery bags, and she was talking on her cell phone. She walked over to the condiment counter, and she took two fistfuls of Splenda from the bins and stuffed them into her grocery bag, all the while talking on her cell phone, and then wheeled her cart out of the Starbucks, out to her car, and loaded her groceries into the car. The barista, who saw the look on my face when I had witnessed this, asked me what was wrong, and I told him what I'd seen, and, and he said, but happens two or three times a day here. Let's go back to um, Kelly. I know we just heard from you, but so how many, how much Splenda do you think this person took? I'm just curious, Marna. Oh, I'd say 100 to 150 packets, like a box is a box worth. Oh, my gosh. So a box costs about, um, I was looking at this before um, this morning's podcast, a box like on a discount site is about $6.49. Um, Wow, that's expensive. Yeah, I mean, of Splenda, or I also looked at like Equal, which is another product that I like. And at Staples, it was $7.39 for a box of 100 packets. So, you know, my answer to this one is going to be very similar to the newspaper example. Uh, this is definitely a crime. I mean, this is definitely theft. And when you look at, again, I'm, I'm focusing on Virginia because it's what I'm familiar with, um, you know, the statute that talks about concealing or taking possession of merchandise, altering price tags, transferring goods from one container to another, um, that, that's a theft. And so, you know, that's what she's doing without authority, with the intention of converting goods or merchandise to her own use, without having paid full purchase price thereof. She's defrauding the owner of the value of the goods. Um, and she's willfully taking possession, right? And she hasn't paid for it. And again, this if it's if the value is less than five hundred dollars, it just has to be of some value. But if it's less than five hundred dollars, it's petty larceny, you know. And that's a class one misdemeanor. You know, it, it, this is not okay. I mean, morally or legally. So she could be charged with a misdemeanor. I think so. I mean, I would hope that a police officer or a store detective would not do that. I would hope that they would approach her and talk with her and say, look, and kind of explain, because I do believe some people um, may not realize that this is a crime. They may be like, well, these are out and they're meant for public use. And, you know, so it's fine that I take them. 
Well, not exactly. They're meant when you purchase your Starbucks, you're to use, you know, one or two or three or however many you use for your product that you just paid for. Um, so maybe that person, I would certainly think a warning would be appropriate. But I think technically, uh, you know, this is morally and legally um, unacceptable. Mike, what do you think? Well, I'm just very happy to be able to fully agree with Kelly on this one. Um, and, you know, to make matters worse, she didn't even buy a coffee. That's true. Um, she didn't. You know, if she'd bought a coffee, you know, a $6 Starbucks drink, which probably costs Starbucks, you know, a buck and a half to make, um, maybe maybe there would be a slight uh, different uh, ethical view of this, but I don't think so. I think this is plain out, uh, you know, it's, it's sort of, it is in fact shoplifting because that's, no one can construe the purpose of that open box of Splenda in the little, uh, you know, the, the little bar where you, you adjust your coffee, uh, to be there for, to folks to pick it up and take all of it home. Um, and when people do that again, what's the effect on that business? What's the effect on our society in general? Um, and you know, this is now the third one where I've said, boy, Hey, wait a second. What does this lady feel like, uh, when she looks in the mirror every morning and, uh, the more we do this across society, uh, you know, the more we begin to see the fabric of society fray around the edges. Um, because, you know, these, these rules, these laws, these conventions, these best practices, they're all out there to kind of allow people to live together and do so in a harmonious and effective way. And, and this just runs against that. So, um, not, not a big fan. Yes. And I've also heard this. Same problem with, you know, those uh, coffee packets for the Keurigs that are um, like in car dealerships will often offer them or waiting rooms. Uh, People help themselves to those packets of coffee, just open their shopping bag and take them all. Yeah. Yeah, Those things aren't cheap either. No, they're not. When I mentioned this to a young person that I know, um, a millennial, she said, well, Starbucks can certainly afford it. What do you think about that rationalization? I I don't think that's the issue, right? I mean, the issue is, is it theft or not? Is it wrong or right? I mean, that's really what the issue is. What what the millennial is doing, and uh, I'm not saying it's because they're a millennial, but they're just rationalizing, right? And and basically rationalizing is making excuses. It's where you justify something and try to convince yourself or others that, oh, it's okay. It's not that bad. Um, but, you know, as Mike said, if everybody did this, uh, you know, ultimately Starbucks would have to increase its prices or in some way try to address um, you know, the loss of, of profits. I also think, I mean, I think sometimes too, people don't know any better. I mean, I think maybe they should, but, but they just, sometimes they don't know any better. And that's why I think maybe someone taking her aside, you know, like a store detective or like a police officer and talking with her and, you know, making her aware First of all, that what she's doing is criminal and why. And I know that laws vary from state to state. So maybe that's not the case in certain states. Um, But also just educating her on the impact on Starbucks and, 
and other customers. I think that would be a great, a great approach here. Um, sometimes it is a matter of education. And, um, you know, back to your millennial who commented that Starbucks can afford this. I mean, every time you step into a Starbucks, whether you realize it's a deliberate decision or not, you have, you have decided to pay for a very high margin product, which appeals to, you know, us because we, we generally love coffee. And we love it well prepared and we love the selection that they offer. But that doesn't change the fact that, you know, Starbucks has a tremendous profit margin per, uh, per item sold over the counter. So we know all that. That's all out there. So that doesn't make in any way it, it less uh, morally offensive to walk in there and empty their Splenda uh, container at the uh, the bar to prepare your coffee. Well, I notice a lot of fast food restaurants uh, keep their ketchups and their creams and stuff behind the counter now. And you have to ask, would you mind if I had a packet of ketchup for my French fries? And they'll give you one packet. And then I'll say, right, right. if it's not too much trouble, could I have two packets? <laughs> yeah, right. and, and they do that with napkins sometimes too. <laughs> like a lot of times, you know, like, I think Subway, like, you just get your napkins with your sandwich and you have to go back and ask for more. <laughs> and I assume it's because people are taking a ton of napkins. I think or, you're right. Or, like, along the lines of what you're saying, Marna, the, a lot of places have the little cups that you put your ketchup or whatever other condiment in because you're not going to fill those cups up and take them out to your car or put them in your purse. Right. <laughs> They're going to go all over. So... <laughs> Uh, you know. <laughs> All right. So well, maybe that's are we, are, the answer. Maybe we just need like a a, a bowl of Splenda with a tea. <laughs> yeah, it it, but it has labeled, to. You know, right it has to be to bolted right next to the people. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> has uh, to be bolted to the counter. Yeah. Are either one of you above following that lady out to the car and saying, "I saw what you did"? You know, I have become a whole lot more obnoxious in my later years. Um, and uh, I have, have several people I live with who will tell you that. Um, but I wouldn't mind. I mean, I, it's kind of like, you know, to me, it's sort of maybe it's not quite as bad, but it's like that guy who's driving the vehicle that has the handicap sticker in the window or the handicapped um, placard hanging from the rearview mirror. And, you know, it's his mother or his father's car or his grandmother or grandfather's car. And he's perfectly fit and able, and he pulls right into the to the store, right into the handicap uh, space and hops out and, and walks on in. And I will, I will confront that person and say, hey, wait a second, you don't look too handicapped to me. What's going on here? So I think we as a society would be better if we held people to a higher standard and maybe just ask the question, are you in fact handicapped? Why is it you're parking in that space? I think the same principle applies to our, our Splenda Stealer. Our Splenda Stealer. Well, as somebody who had a temporary handicap permit last year after my knee surgery, yeah. I can tell you sometimes you'll pull into a store or a restaurant and all the handicap spaces are filled. Yeah. And, uh, and then you end up, you know, parking up mm -hmm. way far away. So that's right. That hits home. Thank you for those comments. We'll be right back with our fourth and final scenario. 
Welcome back to Ethics and Etiquette. Let's talk about the fourth scenario on the topic of petty thievery and white buys. You're eating lunch at a salad bar, which includes a bin of cilantro. Since you're going to be making salsa that night, you decide to take an extra big handful of sprigs, enough for half-cupped chopped cilantro in your recipe, wrap it in a napkin, and take it home from the restaurant. Is that something you would do? When I was first told about this scenario by a friend, I thought, well, you know, it's just a few sprigs of cilantro. I might, you know, I might do that. And then I started thinking, wait a minute, that's stealing. Even though the value of the merchandise isn't that much, it's still stealing. And so what I'm saying is my honor code kicks in at about two bucks or so. And that's not, <laughs> that's not, <clears throat> that's not how honor, honor codes work. So I would say stealing is stealing, whether it's a few extra sprigs of cilantro. The contract with the restaurant, implied contract, was what you can eat while you're there, not what you can fit in your purse and put in a to-go box to take home. So uh, I would say even though the value of the theft was low, Stealing is stealing. Kelly, what do you think? Oh, God. I mean, <laughs> this one a little bit is a little tougher than the first one. But, you know, this one's a little bit more of a challenge because the way you're describing it is, you know, I'm eating at the salad bar, so I have paid for the salad bar. I'm helping myself to the salad bar. I mean, arguably, I have some leftover salad in my little box, uh, you know, because I made myself an initial helping and I have a, a little bit of extra cilantro in the corner and I can't finish it and I decide to take it home. I mean, I, I think that's fine. I mean, I guess if you go up at the end and take a pile more of cilantro in a napkin, you know, that's not okay. Which I think is what she did. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's not okay. It's so petty. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's just very petty. I don't know what else to say, because she can buy the cilantro and chop it up. And they even have chopped up cilantro because I'm too lazy to chop it up. So that's how I buy my cilantro. <laughs> so I don't know. It's it's stealing. Um, it's just it's very minor. It is minor. But Mike, do you agree with yeah, Kelly? I'm with, I'm with Kelly on this one. It's minor. But, you know, if it's on the salad bar... That means someone else can come along and have some cilantro and, you know, maybe you've deprived the next patron or the fourth or fifth patron down the line of a chance to have cilantro on their salad because you took some home for dinner. Um, that's just not right. If it goes into your box or your, your, onto your plate and you have a great big pile of cilantro on one side of your plate and you decide, ah, oh, it's maybe a little too much and you say, I'm going to take it home in a doggy bag. That's okay. Um, you know, we, we waste an incredible amount of food in our country. We waste it, especially in restaurants. And so, you know, I wouldn't, I mean, you say this is at lunchtime, so it's middle of the day. Um, but, you know, maybe, I mean, I, I know that once that stuff is put out on the salad bar, it's, if it's not consumed that day of that business day, it's lost to the company and uh, they have to throw it away. 
So maybe you, maybe you go to, if you really, really want that cilantro, maybe you go to the manager and say, hey, you know, I'd love to take a little extra cilantro home. Would you mind? I'm sure the guy would say, yeah, no problem. Have at it. But without that permission, I think it, I think it's, uh, I think it's a mistake. So you agree with me? Um, well, I agree that it is wrong to do that. So who am I agreeing with? Me. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I, I, I think I said it was wrong, too. But I, I yeah. felt, and I feel it's a minor offense. I mean, I think the point is, of all these examples, in my estimation, with the exception of the first one, that acts do build on themselves. And maybe once you get started with this kind of behavior and conduct and you rationalize it, um, you justify it. Um, it leads these small or minor actions, you know, build to bigger actions. Um, and, you know, and that's where the trouble lies, right? It's that slippery slope. Um, so, I mean, that may be the moral of, you know, this last example. The slippery slope. Yeah. Yeah. And also... Uh, we're all parents here. My kids are grown. But um, I often think, what would a child think if they saw a parent do this, help themselves to something that wasn't theirs, whether it was Splenda or cilantro? That's really a terrible thing to model for your children, because they're going to get the idea that it's okay to do that. And they're going to start, you know, that slippery slope themselves rationalizing and justifying it so yeah i mean i have two two of my three would like be all over me openly <laughs> they would just be on my case like you couldn't believe and the third one would feel the same way but would not say anything till we got home at which point he would tell everybody in the family and all our relatives what i did <laughs> <laughs> well, you see, you have raised children with this, this really, really strong, strong moral compass that points due north. That's why. Either that or they enjoy giving their mother a hard time. I'm, I'm not going sure with which. the former. Yeah. Okay, I'm going right? with the former. No slack for the mother. <laughs> no. Marna, do I have time for a little story? You do. Okay, so I, you, you talked about taking home cilantro. I'm going to change that to rosemary. But uh, I was on a I was on a trip with my wife, and we were in Ireland with two of her high school friends. And these two friends happened to be sisters, so all the husbands, all the wives, we were all together on this trip. And we went to visit the mother of these two girls in Ireland. She's an Irish woman, so in her eighties. And we went out to dinner. It was a lovely restaurant. I mean, a really fantastic place that she wanted to take everybody to. And we all sit down at dinner, and the special of the day was some sort of fish seasoned with rosemary. So we got this lovely plate of fish, and it all, we all had this enormous sprig of rosemary around the side of the plate. And even before we began eating, she looks down the table and she says, All right, everybody pass me your rosemary. And I'm thinking... The mother, the mother the said this? The grandmother. The mother, <laughs> yes. Pass me your rosemary. And... And I'm thinking, okay, you know, you don't, you don't, you don't argue with an Irish woman in her 80s who's buying you dinner. 
And we all passed our rosemary down the table and her two daughters are, you can just look, look at them and the embarrassment on their faces was just <laughs> amazing to, to observe. And this gal who'd grown up in very, very tough circumstances during the depression, um, was not going to let that rosemary go to waste. And it was all going back to her house to be put into something the next day that she was going to cook for us. And, um, so I just thought that that contrasted nicely with the person who helps themselves to the cilantro on the uh, on the salad bar, which everybody else can use. Funny that she would just announce that before you'd even started, like maybe wait till you finish. Yeah, well, she didn't want it to get dirty or <laughs> by the by the fish sauce. Oh, I it see. Really OK, was, it was a garnish. It was you know, ornamental <laughs> at that point. Great story. Welcome back to Ethics and Etiquette. Endnotes is the portion of our show where we each like to leave you with a little something to think about for the upcoming week. I'll start with you, Kelly. I think the important thing is just to, to live with integrity and common sense. Um, and if you find yourself rationalizing something or making excuses for your conduct, then you ought not be doing it. Good thoughts. Thank you. Mike? So I want to take these four scenarios and link them together with a common thread and put in a plug for local retailers. Those could be folks that sell you stuff or folks that provide you food or drink. But take it one step further. This podcast is about making us more ethical uh, in our in our daily lives. And uh, I know it certainly helped me. Um, and I, I think, you know, we we interact with retailers all the time, at least at least I do. And um, not only shouldn't, should we not chisel and cheat them, but we should support them. And, you know, we should find ways to help them stay in business so that we always have that opportunity um, to go out and buy something in person and not have it delivered to our front door uh, in a box. And um, so I think it's a pretty important part of society. And I think if we all kind of helped our retailers out, our local retailers in particular, not necessarily your national brands. Um, you know, our lives within our villages, towns, and cities, and the countryside where I live would be a whole lot richer. So I'll leave it at that. Okay. Ethics on a macro level. Eat local, shop local. Amen. I like that. I like that. Uh, my end note has to do with the simplicity of the honor code, and I hope to someday do an entire show on the honor code. Kelly and I went to college at a school with an honor code, William and Mary. Mike went to the U.S. Military Academy, another school with an honor code. Uh, but I was told that anybody outside, like somebody in an academy or a prep school, doesn't know what an honor code is. So... Um, the honor code is very simple. I will not lie, cheat, or steal. And I find that whenever I'm faced with an ethical dilemma, small or large, if I ask myself, am I lying, am I cheating, or am I stealing? And if the answer is yes to any of those, then my answer is I don't do it. The beauty of the honor code is its simplicity. So I'd encourage everybody to take that on as a tool. That's all for this episode of Ethics and Etiquette. 
Thanks for listening. And remember, if you want to support what we're doing, please share, subscribe, and leave a review on Apple Podcast or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Please visit our website, Ethics and Etiquette, for show notes and resources. For Kelly Halligan-Zimmerman and Mike Derrick, I'm Marna Ashburn. And this is Ethics and Etiquette, a thought-provoking dialogue about everyday dilemmas. Please join us next week for an all-new episode. See you then. 